Welcome, fellow believers, to another bonus episode of True Hauntings and Scary Stories. I'm Cindy. And I'm Brick. And we are here to talk spooky. So, Brick, today we're going to go over five more legends, five more states. We're doing one legend per state based on this cool website that I found, and I will put the link in the show notes. So today our states are Hawaii, Idaho, Illinois, Indiana, and Iowa. We are in the eyes. Yes. And and Hawaii. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's get this party started. I know, right? Hawaii has a cool one. Night marchers. Ooh. Night marchers. It says the deadly ghosts of ancient Hawaiian warriors march over the waters, chanting and blowing conch shells. If you hear them, run. Now, I've always said I want to go to Hawaii, but now (laughs) I'm kind of thinking, hmm, do I though? Yeah. But when you think of Hawaii, you think of those shells. So I feel like if you were there and you heard shells, you wouldn't think to run. You'd be like, oh. What's that? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So here's what it says about it. While most ghost hunters are out looking for spirits, there are some ghosts you should never look for. Hawaii's night marchers, the phantoms of ancient Hawaiian warriors, are said to roam the islands at night. In life, these warriors supposedly traveled at night to protect people so sacred that the common man was never allowed to look at them. Breaking that rule meant death. The night marcher's job wasn't to terrorize people. It was simply to protect the most sacred high-ranking chiefs. Depending on their status, um, the chiefs marched in front or behind the procession. The night marchers showed mercy by traveling at night to spare people from harm. It's easy to tell if night marchers are approaching, he says, the person that they're interviewing. So it says, uh, it's easy to tell when they're approaching. They carry torches. They march to the thunderous sounds of drums. They give warning by sounding a conch shell. And that's when you know it's time to run and hide. If you're already in the path of the Night Watcher's trail, legend dictates you must strip naked and lie face down. (laughs) (laughs) There's a rumor that peeing on yourself will keep you alive. (laughs) Whatever you decide to do, don't look at them. If you're lucky enough to share a bloodline with somebody marching in the procession, you'll supposedly be saved. That just sounds like a bad drunken night. You end up on the beach, (laughs) naked, covered in pee. (laughs) That doesn't sound fun at all. (laughs) No, I'm, I'm picturing some Hawaiian tourists that have heard this story, and I'm picturing them hearing drums at night and suddenly stripping off all their clothes, laying down on the ground and just peeing all over. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. You know, some tourists are going to do that. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) It says the night watchers are said to frequent sacred Hawaiian grounds, such as sites as sacrificial temples and other areas, uh, then it gives some different bays and mansions and such. Mm. There's even a night marcher's path that goes through the armory inside the diamond head crater. 
So they have it marked, I guess, as the Night Watcher's path. I would not go on that path at night. No, that's that's spooky. I don't want to end up naked peeing on myself either. <laughs> That'd be embarrassing. I wonder why they. I guess. I guess if you pee yourself, the night marchers are like, you know what? You've had a bad day. We'll we'll give Who you this one. Who wants to be around someone covered in pee? True. <laughs> That's why they leave you alone. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Mm-hmm. All right. So up next is Idaho. Let's see what Idaho's got for us. Oh, this is a weird one. It better be something to do with potatoes. It is not. (laughs) Bummer. It's called Water Babies of Massacre Rocks. Oh, that sounds sad. This is from a website called weirdus.com. It might be Weird US. It is Weird US. (laughs) Weird US.com. And they say, outside of my hometown of Pocatello. No. Yeah. Pocatello. Idaho, we're going to go with that, is a tragic, frightening spot known as Massacre Rocks. Long ago, it was the scene of an incredibly awful, sad incident, and nowadays it is the home of ghosts who haunt it because of that incident. When Native Americans inhabited the area, there was a severe famine. It was so intense that the villagers got together and decided that there wasn't enough food to feed any new mouths. As babies were being born, their mothers were forced to take them down to the nearby river and drown them rather than have them live a life of constant hunger and starvation. Nowadays, these so-called water babies still make their presence known. If you go to the banks of this river and sit for a while in the silence, you will begin to hear the unmistakable sound of crying babies. It's supposed to be... The spirits of those same babies looking for their mothers. That's a shame. That is dreadful. So they forced the mothers to drown the babies? Like it's one thing if you take the baby away from the mother and go and do that. That's terrible. But to force the mother to do that? How horrible. I couldn't. They'd have to drown me too. Oh, absolutely. I'd probably drown trying to get in the water and save the baby. They would have to drown me to even try to get my baby away from me. Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't just be like, oh, okay, well, here you go. Like, spending all that time being pregnant and then giving birth, and then they want the wo- the women to go and do that. <laughs> Illinois is kind of cool. Illinois is ghost elephants. I mean, it's not Ooh. cool what happened that made it haunted, but... You know, ghost elephants? Come on. I do love me some elephants. Oh, you do love elephants. That's right. I got a whole tattoo on my half my arm taken up. That you do. I sure do. Apparently in Illinois, there is a memorial to circus train wreck dead. There was a circus train crash and a bunch of people were killed and elephants too. So here it is. Five elephant statues mark the boundaries of Showman's Rest, a plot of 750 grave sites at Woodlawn Cemetery. The rumor perpetuated by generations of Illinois ch- schoolchildren is that elephants killed in the train wreck couldn't be moved and were buried where they fell. 
The statues actually mark the site of the mass grave of 56 or perhaps 61 um, circus employees who were killed on June 22, 1918, when an empty troop train piloted by a napping engineer plowed into the four rear sleeping cars of the circus train near Hammond, Indiana. Wow. Yeah. Those poor elephants. Yeah. It says a 26-car circus train was heading from Illinois into Hammond, Indiana, with 400 performers sleeping in the rear cars. The train was halted on the Michigan Central Tracks near Ivanhoe, due to an overheated axle box. A troop train suddenly appeared on the same track, cruising up from behind at 35 miles per hour and failing to heed track warning signals and flares. Hmm. Engineer Alonzo Sargent snoozed his way through three cars, finally halting on top of the fourth in a deafening grinding of metal and splintering of wood. Most of the 86 perished, in the first 35 seconds of the wreck. Oh, wow. Then, as is typical of any horrific historical mishap, the whole thing caught fire. Mm. So I guess they put the statues up to honor the people that were killed. The statues are beautiful. You guys should click the link in the show notes and check out the statues. Now we've got Indiana. So Indiana has something called the Green Clawed Beast in the Ohio River. Oh, goodness. Here we go. (laughs) The Ohio River goes through (laughs) Indiana, too. So leave it to Ohio. That's it, man. I can say that because I live here now. (laughs) (laughs) Ohio be crazy. I went from one crazy state of Florida to another crazy state of Ohio. I'm just saying. I would never think that Ohio was crazy. It is. We have... Ohio man. Like, we should, anyway. (laughs) They'd be crazy. The Green Clawed Beast is an unknown creature patrolling the Ohio River at Evansville, Indiana. So it says, it was a very hot summer in Evansville, Indiana in 1955. Several days of humid 95-degree unrelenting heat had driven local residents out of their homes, which were, at the time, not air-conditioned. Ew, yeah. 95 degrees, that's like a normal Florida day. Yeah, (laughs) it's true. (laughs) They found relief anywhere they could, and that's what sent Naomi Johnson, her three children, and Naomi's friend Louise Lamble to the Dogtown area of West Evansville to swim in the cool water of the Ohio River. It was August 21st, 1955. The Ohio can look intimidating and sometimes a bit frightening. However, the big river is only about 15 feet deep at Evansville, and after it turns north and makes a big loop downtown and heads south, it's moving at only about a mile an hour. That made the Dogtown area of the river very smooth and welcoming on that hot summer day. Naomi Johnson paddled in the calm water about 15 feet from the shore while her children sat with her friend, who was catching a few rays on the shore. The scene couldn't have been any more peaceful, and then it happened. Uh Uh-oh. Naomi suddenly arched her back and began splashing the water. Something had wrapped around her knee. It felt like a very large hand. 
She would later describe it as hairy and claw-like. Whatever it was pulled her under the surface where she kicked it away and bobbed back to the top of the water. She took a huge breath and screamed just before the creature again latched onto her leg from behind. Naomi was able to grab an inner tube that the ladies were using as a float. As she tried to climb on board, Naomi pulled away from the creature's grasp and made it the few feet to the shore. Naomi Johnson was safe, and when medical help arrived, she was treated for cuts and scratches on her lower leg, but authorities could not remove a strange blue-green stain. The impression was approximately the size and shape of a large hand and remained on her leg for several days. Oh, goodness. So it left a blue-green stain on her leg? Like, what's that about? Trying to, like, wrap my mind around it. A creature with a human-shaped hand. Yeah, she said it felt hand-like and claw-like. So they throw up a few possibilities. Apparently there's a garfish that grows to be very, very large. And um, they said that they sometimes get into the Ohio River. I'm going to say maybe it was one of those. Another one is a catfish, Ohio River catfish apparently get very, very large. There are stories of them getting as big as Volkswagens. What? That's what it says. You may have heard other big fish stories about Ohio River catfish as big as Volkswagens. Well, officially, the biggest catfish ever caught at Evansville weighed 104 pounds. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, but can a fish leave a hand shape on your leg, though? I don't know. Now, it doesn't say anything about that. But apparently some scary movies had come out around that same time. It says a year before the creature from the Black Lagoon had come out. So they're kind of implying in this article that maybe, you know, she was a little spooked by those kind of movies coming out. I don't know. So after that happened to her, they they deemed it the green clawed beast. (laughs) (laughs) Now, is she the only one that has happened to? Um... There's another thought about what the ladies saw that hot day. Uh, it kind of looks like she is. She's the only one who was attacked. Hmm. I bet she never went back there again. I bet not. I wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, even if it was a garfish or a catfish or whatever. No, thank you. Mm-mm. Like, I have a rule about water. Okay. That is their home. And I don't go into their home. And this land is my home. And they don't come into my home. So, like, we have that agreement. <laughs> Listen, humans, we don't got flippers and gills and all. We're not mm-hmm. meant to be in water. We're not good swimmers. It's just, you know, we can't hold our breath for long amounts of time. Like, mm-hmm. we're just, it's just not meant to be. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I am in full agreeance. <laughs> So our last one for this one is Iowa, and this is a good one. This is, well, I mean, it's like really sad, but they all are. (laughs) It's true. Iowa is the Villisca Axe Murder House. Oh, God. So this is a really famous house. So based on real events, this 1912 cold case features a whole family, two parents, four children, and two house guests being bludgeoned to death in their sleep. 
Since oh. then, the house has been the source of odd paranormal activity, such as a ghost hunter stabbing himself in the chest in 2014. Makes you not want to be a ghost hunter. No. So there's a whole, uh, the Velisca Axe Murder House is actually a tourist attraction. So you can go there and ghost hunt and, and all that kind of stuff. So they have a whole website for that. I will put that in the show notes. So I went to their website and they have a lot of stuff in their menu. They have a whole history section and it's got these titles in it. It says the town, the crime, the victims, the inquest, the suspects, the folklore, the renovation, virtual tour evidence. Um, and then they've got their links for like overnight things you can do or whatever. So definitely check that out. But I'm just going to read off the part about the actual murders. So it says, long before serial killers and mass murderers had become a way of life, two adults and six children were found brutally murdered in their beds in the small Midwestern town of Villisca, Iowa. During the weeks that followed, life in this small town changed drastically. The dates are June 9th and June 10th, 1912. So it says, Lena and Ina Stillinger, the daughters of Joseph and Sarah Stillinger left their home for church early Sunday morning. They planned on having dinner with their grandmother after the morning service, spending the afternoon with her and then returning to their home to spend the night after the children's day exercises concluded. The girls, however, were invited by Catherine Moore to spend the night at the Moore home instead. Prior to leaving for the exercises, Mr. Moore placed a call to the Stillinger home to ask permission for the girls to stay overnight. Blanche, Lena and Ina's older sister, told Mr. Moore that her parents were both outdoors, but she would pass the message along to them. Okay, let's get to the good stuff. The following morning at approximately 5 a.m., Mary Peckham the Moore's next-door neighbor stepped into her yard to hang laundry. At approximately 7 a.m., she realized that not only had the Moore's not been outside, nor the chores began, but that the house itself seemed unusually still. The Children's Day program at the Presbyterian Church was an annual event and began at approximately 8 p.m. on Sunday evening, June 9th. According to witnesses, Sarah Moore coordinated the exercises. All of the Moore children, as well as the Stillinger children, participated. Josiah Moore sat in the congregation. The program ended at 9.30 p.m. and the Moore family, along with the Stillinger sisters, walked home from the church. They entered their home sometime between 9.45 and 10 p.m. So then the following morning, the neighbor notices that they are not coming out of their house like they normally do. Nosy neighbor? I mean, I don't know. I guess it's good that they were. You know what? A nosy neighbor can save your life sometimes. That is true. That is truth. Between 7 and 8 a.m., Mary Peckham approached the house and knocked on the door. When she received no response, she attempted to open the door, only to find it locked from the inside. After letting out the Moore's chickens, Mary placed a call to Josiah's brother, Ross Moore, setting into place one of the most mismanaged murder investigations to ever be undertaken. Based on the testimonies of Mary Peckham and those who saw the Moors at the Children's Day exercise, 
It is believed that sometime between midnight and 5 a.m., an unknown assailant entered the home of J.B. Moore and brutally murdered all occupants of the house with an axe. So that is brutal. So two adults and four children. I've heard this story before. Here's what it says about the crime scene. Eight people had been bludgeoned to death, presumably with an axe left at the crime scene. It appeared all had been asleep at the time of the murders. Doctors estimated time of death as somewhere shortly after midnight. Curtains were drawn on all of the windows in the house except two, which did not have curtains. Those windows were covered with clothing belonging to the Moors. Wow, so whoever killed them covered all the windows. Mm-hmm. All of the victims' faces were covered with the bedclothes after they were killed. A kerosene lamp was found at the foot of the bed of Josiah and Sarah. The chimney was off and the wick had been turned back. The chimney was found under the dresser. A similar lamp was found at the foot of the bed of the Stillingers girls. The chimney was also off. Maybe by chimney they mean some kind of a lantern or something. The axe was found in the room occupied by the Stillinger girls. It was bloody, but an attempt had been made to wipe it off. The axe belonged to Josiah Moore. The ceilings in the parents' bedroom and the children's room showed gouge marks apparently made by the upswing of the axe. Oh my gosh. So this person was going at them so hard that they put holes in the ceiling. Oh yeah. By hitting it. That is intense. That's horrible. That feels like a crime of passion to me. Like you were really angry and you're like going at it. But then also they covered their faces. So that kind of shows like remorse also. Yeah. After they killed him, they did. Yeah. Like they didn't want the faces looking at him or something. It definitely sounds like they knew them, you know? Also sounds like they were there for a while afterward, which is weird. Mm -hmm. It says a piece of keychain was found on the floor in the downstairs bedroom. A pan of bloody water was discovered on the kitchen table as well as a plate of uneaten food. The doors were all locked. Well, how did they get out? The bodies of Lena and Ina, I hope I'm saying that, Ina. The bodies of Lena and Ina Stillinger were found in the downstairs bedroom off the parlor. Ina was sleeping closest to the wall with Lena on her right side. A gray coat covered her face. Lena, according to the inquest testimony, uh, lay as though she had kicked one foot out of her bed sideways with one hand up under the pillow on her right side, half sideways, not clear over, but just a little. Apparently she had been struck in the head and squirmed down in the bed, perhaps one third of the way. Man. Lena's nightgown was slid up and she was wearing no undergarments. There was a blood stain on the inside of her right knee and what the doctors assumed was a defensive wound on her arm. So she actually woke up and fought back. Yeah. That's sad. That is sad. The coroner reported a slab of bacon on the floor in the downstairs bedroom lying near the axe. 
Weighing nearly two pounds, it was wrapped in what he thought may be a dish towel. A second slab of bacon, about the same size, was found in the icebox. Why? Ew. <laughs> what in the world was going on in there? <laughs> <laughs> this dude is crazy. Whoever did this. Golly. It says that one of Sarah's shoes was found on Josiah's side of the bed. The shoe was found on its side. However, it had blood inside as well as underneath of it. Huh. It was their assumption that the shoe had been upright when Josiah was first struck and that blood ran off the bed into the shoe. He believed the killer later returned to the bed to inflict additional blows and subsequently knocked the shoe over. So he killed them, left, probably killed more people, and then came back and chopped them some more? Ooh, gosh. Either this person was a madman or they were really angry at these people. Absolutely. Makes my stomach turn. Yeah. That house is supposed to be wicked haunted. A lot of people go there to do paranormal investigations and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, Villisca Axe Murder House. Ugh. That is intense. That's a doozy. Yeah, so that was Iowa. So those are our five for this one. We, we covered Hawaii's Night Marchers. If you run into them, get naked and pee. <laughs> <laughs> Idaho's Water Babies of Massacre Rocks, which is super duper sad. That was very sad. Yeah, kind of a monster makes a mother do that. Mm-mm-mm. Illinois Ghost Elephants. Probably carnival people, too. Like, why are they focusing on the elephants? I don't know. Yeah. I guess God. because the statues are of elephants. I don't know. Indiana had their green-clawed beast <laughs> that attacked one lady. It only attacked one time. Just one time. And that, that was lady it. was like, no, no. This is a green-clawed <laughs> beast, people. Fear it. <laughs> Golly. And then the Velisca Axe Murder House is legit, Iowa. That's intense. It sure is. There you have it. When we do some more, then we'll do some more states. Our next states uh, would be Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maine, and Maryland would be for our next episode. You guys know where to find us. TrueHauntings.com will get you pretty much wherever you want to be. I'm sure if you're listening to a bonus episode that you're probably already in our Facebook group, but if you're not, you should be. There are over a thousand people in there and we post memes and do silly things all the time. Oh yeah, it's definitely the place to be. Come and join us. Join the cool people (laughs) in the True Hauntings (laughs) Facebook group. (laughs) All right, people. We'll see you next time. Stay spooky. Bye.